Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from The Next Reel. We are at the very beginning of this whole crazy ride. We are looking at Jon Favreau's 2008 film, Iron Man. And joining me today to talk about Minute 48 is Matthew Westfox from the Superhero Ethics Podcast. Hey, Matthew. Hey, looking forward. This has been a fun run the last couple of days. I'm looking forward to doing one more minute. Here it is. Yes, we're, of course, talking about Minute 48, as I said. This minute starts with Tony reminding Obadiah whose name is on the side of the building. <laughs> and it ends with Tony unbuttoning his shirt for Obadiah. This is a great follow-up to the press conference. I, I love the scene. This is kind of a continuation. This is really kind of defining who these two are. This whole idea of, you know, we're ironmongers. We make weapons. And Tony's point of view is now shifting. And he's like, it's my name on the side of the building. I don't want to be doing this anymore. You know, the the uh, we're not doing a good enough job is what he says. Yeah. And that moment struck me, especially the thing about the name, because... I feel like that's a theme that comes up in a lot of different stories and shows, but it's that idea of, you know, I am personally responsible for this. I am personally tied to it. I can't just a minute or two ago, he had said in that press conference that no one's accountable. And, and what he's really owning is no, I am accountable. It is my name. It is my name out there. Um, and it is funny too, because we talked about, I think just yesterday, we talked about how it's 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 kind of actually a little ridiculous that his name is on literally everything he does. And I think that that's kind of what this is playing on is he's sort of realizing that if he's putting his name, if everything is under the Stark brand, that he has to take account for everything that happens with that Stark brand. Well, and it speaks also to the nature of when you start a company or in this case, take over a company from your family that has your name on it. Where does that division happen when all of a sudden it's no longer your, your beliefs are no longer in line with the company's beliefs you know where does the name the ownership of the name end yeah uh, because it's 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 is his name on the side of the building but it is a corporation it really is no longer his name that's attached to the building it's the corporate version of his name and and i definitely see where tony's coming from but from a business perspective he doesn't own that anymore and in fact the people who own the stocks are the ones who are really going to define the the state of this company. And they even talk about that in the last minute, how there's going to be this big stock drop now because of what Tony said. Yeah. And, and it's funny because I remember Batman Begins came out right around this time. I think it was a little bit before, but I, I actually I'm going to look that up quick as we're talking. But one thing I'm struck by is that the, this, there's a lot of ways I think in which, it's, oh yeah, Bart, Batman Begins came out a few years earlier. There's a lot of ways in which Tony Stark and Bruce Wayne are very similar characters. They're right. Yeah. Batman is obviously a lot more, um, you know, dark and cynical, whereas you know he pretends to be carefree the way Tony Stark actually is. But I think both of them have very similar issues, and I think specifically in the Batman Begins movie, Batman really is wrestling with you know what's being done under the Wayne name and that Wayne Enterprises being used for you know weapons and all these kind of things and. I don't know if this was intentionally a throwback to that or if it's just that it's a common theme in both of these characters' stories. I, I really like the power of that idea of claiming the family legacy and that what happens in your name, it, it, it shouldn't, like, the, the danger of becoming just a corporation and of wanting to really say, if it's in my name, it has to be something I believe in. Right. I find it to be just a really interesting element of this story. I think that the Bruce Wayne, Tony Stark 
comparison is always an apt one when we're talking about these characters and just the way that these two characters kind of develop over the course of their various franchises. It's pretty interesting. I like that there's this also this look here of of Tony shifting the conversation away from weapons again kind of being that leader and here he is kind of leading the conversation into the arc reactor technology this this RT technology and the way that it really kind of becomes such a core component of everything that's going to come after this point this technology I I love this direction of it and how it plays here because it's this thing that his dad kind of came up with. We have this giant arc reactor in the room. And I just love the line that Obadiah says here. Come on, we built that thing to shut the hippies up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think that is a great reaction from a corporate person kind of expressing the reason that sometimes businesses do things. It's, it's not necessarily because it's going to make money, but it's going to you know shut certain mouths so that it can move them in the directions that they really want to go in. Yeah, I, I think that that's a really interesting line. And you know, I, I've talked in previous minutes about how I, I like that this movie doesn't shy away from political issues and political commentary almost in a way. Um, and, and again here, you know, this is, they're doing it subtly, they're not hitting you over the head with it, but they're saying that the same issues of you know carbon fuel and, and and clean energy that exist in our own world also exist in the mcu happily they did this in, in 2008 when it did exist and of course that issue is totally taken care of by today um, <laughs> but you know but it, it's it's i like it because it, it makes it relatable and it says oh yeah this is a world where people have powers that they don't have in our world but other than that this is very similar to our world and it has the same kind of problems yeah, right. This whole idea of making this arc reactor that works and this 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 great little game that they play of Obadiah kind of throwing all these these things out about oh it's never cost effective. We knew it before we built it. It's a dead end. I love the way that it's there's great subtext there because we know and Tony knows that this whole thing is because because Obadiah knows that Tony has figured out he's had this breakthrough and here he is surviving this ordeal because he built a mini arc reactor that he has in his chest. It's really fun the way that that subtext plays through the scene. And I think the two actors deliver it really well. Mm -hmm. And it just it, it comes through really nicely as this additional kind of change that kind of throws the story and pushes Stark Industries and our story in a new direction. Well, and, and I, I really like what it says about Obadiah because obviously this is where Obadiah knows what's happening with Tony and, and it obviously further changes his feelings about that, what he winds up doing. But there's a moment, I think just Jeff Bridges plays this very well, where I don't see Obadiah anymore as having an agenda of being super cynical, but I feel like on some level he's just really excited about this cool new toy that Tony has. And yeah, absolutely. to me, that really fits with who Obadiah becomes when he steps into the Ironmonger suit, because obviously he's, he's going insane and he has all these ideas about wanting to like preserve, you know, the, the corporate culture and, and make all the money. And that that's why he's doing all this Ironmonger stuff. But on some level, he's just a kind of a, he's a big kid at this moment. He's just like, look what I can do. <laughs> and I think you start to see that with this. He's just fast. He's wanting to see the, the, the arc reactor that Tony has. It's a funny moment because anytime now in any superhero movie, ever since the 1978 Superman, when you have an actor who's grabbing at his shirt and pulling it open, 
it becomes this kind of superhero meme almost, where it's like, oh, here's okay, here's him pulling his shirt open to reveal his his superness. We've got it in Superman. We have it in the first Sam Raimi Spider Man, and here we have it with Tony unbuttoning his shirt and pulling his shirt open to show the mini arc reactor to Obadiah. It kind of, it, I don't know. It's one of those funny moments that I I I feel like they have to be thinking about that as they're as they're scripting it and putting it together. Yeah. And it actually makes me wonder if obviously Tony Stark and Iron Man having this thing in his chest as a part of the comics. I wonder if that's something the comics ever played with in terms of like, is there ever a moment where he kind of iconically rips open his shirt or, or there's any other kind of throwbacks or references to that? I don't remember him doing that. It was kind of funny because Tony in the in the comics initially it was like a whole thing that he was wearing it wasn't just the thing in his chest he had this whole thing on that always had to be you know he had to go plug himself in for prolonged periods of time because in fact in the world of comics that often was the point uh, at the end of the issue when you know he's he's getting weak because he needs to plug in will he be able to defeat the villain you know and, and so it played into that very nicely in the world of comics but i don't remember there being that big moment and i just feel like that became such an iconic moment from superman that i can't remember any other any other comic that really did it as effectively or or as purposefully yeah i mean i know the other super characters, like Supergirl, definitely did it and things like that. But that's that's just oh, kind of risk. But I don't think any other sort of line of characters did that in anyone the same way. Yeah, right. The script has it a little different, and I'm really glad they went the way they did because this is this is how it reads in the script. Following their conversation about publicity stunt being a dead end, Obadiah says, "We knew that before we built it. Repulsor technology is a dead end." Tony rips open his shirt, revealing the glowing RT. Tony, no, it isn't. Obadiah touching the RT. Oh my God, it is a miracle you're alive. What must have happened to you over there? There's something about the way that it plays, especially with Tony ripping open his shirt, that just feels so over the top and grandiose in a way that it shouldn't have been, that I I really... I find it almost comical the way that it reads. Yeah, it, it, it to me it, it wouldn't fit this movie in any way. It, it would it would feel like something from an earlier movie, and it also would feel like Tony before he goes overseas. You know that so much of the the change in Tony, I feel like that's not what the new Tony would do. Right. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like that makes any sense at all. It's it's a funny moment, and I'm glad that they toned it down a little bit because it's just it's so stinking big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think this was a much better way to do it. I couldn't help but notice that there is one other person in the room, and I, I've never noticed them before. There is a technician sitting at a desk way off in the corner. I think we do see them a little bit in the last minute, uh, and we see them here in this minute. Usually it's in the wide shot when we see the two of them standing in front of the arc reactor. Way over on the right side, we see this little technician just kind of sitting at a desk. Huh. I'm, I'm not looking for that because I have no memory of this. I want to believe you, but... Oh, no. Yep. I see the person there. As I look at this now, because I never noticed that there's another person in the room. It's just one of those things where it's like, uh, it was a surprise to me to go, oh, there's a third person here. It made me wonder what that person, like, are they listening to the conversation? Are they trying not to and trying to focus and get their work done? It's very funny that they chose to kind of 
make sure that they included that person here. But it is like when you see Tony as he's getting ready to open his shirt and show Obadiah, he looks around and according to the layout of the room, it looks like he looks right over at the person who is sitting there just to make sure that that person is not watching what Tony is about to do. Well, and I'm doing kind of a freeze frame analysis of this and my, my screen is not big enough that I can exactly tell, but it looks like that guy is just sitting there reading i think i think he's reading a newspaper or maybe a book or something or maybe a screen but certainly he's not moving in any of the scenes he seems to just be kind of like sitting there doing something and right i to me what what i get out of that is that you know here's a huge powerful thing and so they didn't want to let it totally alone they want someone there working and uh, like watching it but that person has realized that this is a perfectly safe power source it never does anything it never goes wrong so he can just bring the newspaper and read the newspaper, which again, yes, yeah, that little thing that no one would notice, but it just reinforces the same idea that they're trying to hit so many times. Yeah. In the previous minute, we didn't talk about it, but you do see him sitting over the, there at the desk. And in that particular minute, it looks like maybe he's looking at a computer. It's, it's, it's really hard to tell because it, just the, the position of him, but it, it is a funny extra to just throw in there. And, and you're right. It probably is because they're saying, you know, this is one of those things that you need to have a technician with monitoring at all times. But it ends up just being kind of a funny little thing, especially when you notice it. It's like, what is that person doing over there? And, and are they listening? It's such a funny thing. And until you pointed it out, I would have never noticed it. No idea. That right, right. There. You know, every time I watch this, I, I think that the editing work is pretty solid. But I always stumble when, oh, I shouldn't say I stumble, but I always find it a little a bit of an awkwardly obvious cut when Tony says, I think we should take another look at arc reactor technology right when it cuts to the wide shot from uh, looking at pa- looking past the two of them to the big arc reactor. Yeah, that that is not the most subtle moment we've ever had. No, I always struggle with it. I think it works better like right after that we have Jeff when he says or or, or Obadiah he says the arc reactor that was a publicity stunt and he waves his hands gesturing at it. Mm-hmm. I think like that cut to the arc reactor works much better. And I just wonder as I watch it now, do we need that one cut in there? And I feel like the only reason that they chose to include it is because they're trying to make it obvious to the audience. This is what Tony's talking about. He's talking about this giant thing that happens to be behind the two of them. Well, and one thing I have heard, I don't remember if it's an interview with Favreau or, or, or things I've read, but I, I have, I have, Come to understand that one thing he has said is that one thing that happened as the MCU movies went on is that the studio learned to trust him more and more. Sure. And that sort of originally that there was, he basically has created an audience for the MCU and he has taught people how to watch MCU products. And when this movie came out, none of us knew that. And, and certainly the studio didn't know that. And at this point in time, the idea that a, a mass market of people beyond comic book nerds would go for movies like this, especially for a character like Iron Man, who was not, you know, this was not a Batman or a Spider-Man. This was a character who most people had probably never heard of. And and so I wonder if in moments like that, there was an extent of the studio being like, you, you can't trust the audience. You've got to sort of lead them a little bit because they're not going to have any yeah. idea what you're talking about. And yeah. that if part of what we've seen is that now six or seven movies and then 12 movies and 15 movies in 
Favreau has a lot more power to say, listen, we can be more subtle. I think that's a great point. And I think that it's probably exactly the conversation that they had. You know, the studio is like, no, you need to cut to that and show the art director so people know that's what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it has a little bit of that sense of, and maybe here again, I'm, I'm seeing this too meta, but it is such a bad cut in such a way that is so out of character. Yeah, right. That I kind of wonder if there's a little bit of petulant of like, all right, fine, you want that cut? I'm going to give you that <laughs> cut just as dumb as you want it, you know? <laughs> right, right. Let's let's make it as obvious as you're expecting. Yeah. Right. Again, pro- probably right. not what actually happened, but it's a fun bit of headcanon. <laughs> Well, one thing we like to do as we're talking to our guests, especially as we're drawing to a close with them, is get a sense of their experience with Iron Man, the film, and how they view the whole universe. Do you remember the first time you went and saw Iron Man? I do. I really do. I I remember I had loved Batman Begins, and but other than that, I thought Batman Begins was what I loved about it was that it was it felt so different than any other superhero movie I'd ever seen. I had not had the, the highest regard for comic books and comic book properties, to be honest. And I I wanted things that gave me ethical questions and ethical quandaries. And I thought mostly superhero movies were just funny costumes and funny lines. And sure. Batman Begins came along and really blew me away. And then this movie, I think I got talked into by a friend. I didn't really want to see it. And I just was really impressed because it was hilariously funny it was well-paced. It, it it didn't feel like a comic book movie. It felt like a, a real action movie that just happened to be based on a comic book property. Uh-huh. And it, it gave me questions to think about. And it gave me this character who was not perfect, who was deeply flawed, and thus therefore really relatable. And I remember walking out of it and really loving it. And when I look back now at how much the, the MCU, I think, is now with the exception of Star Wars, my absolutely my favorite sort of collection of properties. And Tony Stark is my favorite character. Again, because he is just so rich, and we actually, my, my podcast, The Superhero Ethics, we did a podcast just on the character of Tony Stark and all of his character arcs and all of the, the demons he wrestles with. And I go back and I rewatch this movie and I just realized all of them start in this movie. You know, as we pointed right. out a couple of days ago, his conflicts with his father, his conflicts about the weapons they're making, um, the conflicts about his own responsibility and his own desire to both try and fix things, but wanting to have someone else in control. All of it comes from this movie. And I, I, I have a real love for this movie because of that, because I think it just, it established so much of this incredible universe that I love today. And it, it really established the things I most love about it. Did you ever, do you talk about any of the comics? Did you, have you ever gone back and read any of the Tony Stark comic stories? I haven't. I kind of want to at some point. We have on the podcast, we've delved into, we often, uh, my, my my co-host is more of a comic fan than I am. So he brings in the comics a lot. We've actually done a couple of episodes recently on specifics, but uh, Superman comics, um, where we really delved a lot more into the comic versus the TV version. We've not gotten into it as much with the Iron Man or the um, MCU, but I would really like to. Well, there's definitely like the whole demon in the bottle story arc mm-hmm. that Tony has just dealing with his alcoholism. I mean, that's something that I never expected to read in a comic book. And I didn't read it until I decided I was going to do this podcast and I wanted to kind of get some background. And I was really surprised at at the sort of things that they dealt with in the world of a comic book. And I just would was never, it was never something I would have expected. But uh, I love that they had it in there. It made for a really interesting read. Yeah. No, I can see that. And I think it, 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 it really gets to... 
I think people, and I, I, I talked a couple days ago about how when Stan Lee passed some time ago, part of his memory was, was thinking that, you know, the, I, I've done a lot about the history of comic books and that, you know, Superman was started uh, as, as this Jewish messianic figure. We totally forget about that part, but he was very much a, uh, an anti-Nazi, you know, uh, fight freedom and justice figure. Batman was this, this dark crusader fighting crime and, you know, the comic book code that came about in the 40s and 50s really stopped the idea of it wanted comics to just be fun stories for boys and not have social commentary. And Stan Lee really brought a lot of that back. And I, I, I love that this movie continues that and really said the MCU is going to be very much in the social commentary frame. And so, yeah, it's interesting to me to hear that that, that was a part of Tony Stark's story in some specific ways. Because you're right, like, Stories about alcoholism, stories about power. These things are not things we, we often get to talk about. And so hearing that they, they were talked about in the in the Tony Stark world, not before this movie, but in the comics, um, it's really gratifying to hear. How would you rank? I, I, I don't want people to feel like they have to rank all 20 of the Marvel movies thus far, because <laughs> uh, that's a that's a heck of a list to try to sort together. But like, what would you say are your top five or so of the of the Marvel films? Do you can you go that far? Like how what do you think of the of your favorites? Yeah, I, I think I can. It, it's a tough one for me. Uh, I think, though, it, it, it's always also hard for me because at this point, as much as I love the Marvel movies, if you had to ask me to make a list of my top five Marvel properties, probably all top five are Netflix seasons. Oh, um, okay. cause I really think, uh, the, the defenders and the, the, um, not defenders itself was pretty bad, but some of the dare daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones right. to me has taken what, what Favreau started with this and just gone even further. Um, but, but, but I still think the movies are fantastic. I'd say probably my top five, um, I think black Panther is number one. Black Panther to me just again takes what Iron Man does in terms of social commentary and just goes so much further with sure. it and just makes this incredible movie. Um, but yeah, I'd say Black Panther is number one. I think Civil War is number two. I think Infinity War is number three. Probably the first Avengers is number four. And then I think the next two or three are all pretty close, and Iron Man is definitely one of those. I, I'd say it's probably, I'm thinking over, probably either uh, Iron Man or Ant Man. Those are two others that I just really, really love. And I, I think this this Iron Man movie is definitely, I'm not sure if it's in the top five or if it's tied for five, but certainly it's very close because I think um, it, it just, what it sets up and what it does and the fact that it still holds up so well. You right. know, I mean, we've, our idea of what superhero movies can and should be has grown so much, even just in the MCU. Like you think about how ambitious a project Black Panther is and it just blows Iron Man out of the water. And I, I do think a lot of the other MCU movies don't really hold up very well. I don't love the first Thor movie. I don't love the first Captain America movie. As I said, I like the first Hulk movie a lot more than many others do, but I still think it's pretty weak in a lot of ways. Iron Man's the only one that I think really holds up because the story is so relatable, because the humor still continues to work. And because honestly, I think Robert Downey Jr. is, except for some of the folks in Black Panther, the best actor in the, the MCU on screen. He brings so much to that role and he's so willing to make himself so different than your average superhero in a way that I just, I really love. Yeah. And it helps that he feels like Tony Stark is him and he is Tony Stark. Like there's this weird 
perfect casting synergy that they found by by bringing him on yeah. as that character. I just I love it. Yeah, I mean it's it's always hard to rank it. I think that there are so many good ones, and honestly, as I as I rewatch them, I'm go gosh, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy is way up there, and Thor Ragnarok, and it's always it's always shifting. But uh, you know, I, I, Winter Soldier, I really yeah. grew to kind of love as one of my favorites on my most recent rewatching of them. It's also very good. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot going on in that film that just uh, makes for some amazing stuff. But it's it's always shifting, and I I don't know if I've completely settled on a favorite yet. I feel like I'm I'm changing it every time I talk to anybody on this show. There's always yeah. a new favorite, but who knows? I, I I like them, and it's it's fun to kind of reevaluate them and and just look and see what they're doing. Well, in some ways, I think it, because it feels to me like it, it's kind of like asking me what's my favorite chapter in a book. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's a little tricky. And in so many ways, like each chapter is good because it sets up what's going to happen next and it responds to what already happened. And I kind of feel like that with the MCU movies. Like I, I can pick out different ones that I, I think are great in different ways or some that I think aren't great. But what's really amazing is that we're now at the point where it just all feels like a, a seamless story, you know? And there'll be moments when I'm thinking about the Tony Stark story. And I think about really important moments in his journey. And I don't quite remember. Was that in Iron Man 3 or was that in Avengers? Or, or where did it fit? Because it's, we, we've kind of gone beyond the idea that there's each individual movie is it's just all part of this larger story. Yeah, kudos to uh, Kevin Feige and his team who uh, managed to put all this together. It's uh, pretty impressive. Yeah. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for coming on and being a part of the show. I'm glad to have had you. And I, I, I know you picked these minutes, and I think it allowed for some fantastic conversations. So uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much. It was a real honor. I mean, I had never heard of this idea of doing minute by minute. Like, as I said, I think on the first episode, I, I was a little, little skeptical. We'd have enough to talk about. Clearly, we've, we've gone, I think, way over your, your the limits you'd asked for. And I, <laughs> but I really appreciate this. I think it, it has given me... I'm so often looking at movies and TV shows in a much broader arc, looking at the ethical questions, looking at the moral decisions the characters make. And I, I really like this this shift in focus of, of going to minute by minute because it, it allows me to see something that I think is easy for, for me and I think a lot of viewers to forget that as much as there are these wonderful arcing stories, you know, the, the character arc of Tony Stark is told over 10 movies by now um, that is just such this epic story that also just every single moment of the way they're making these movies is so precise, you know, down to the, the, the sign for Palladium and the, the, the segue moment and all these things. It just really, again, I, I promise I'm not being paid anything by, by the MCU, it's, <laughs> um, but it really just shows what an amazing project they put together here. And that, that it all starts with this movie. A lot of work, a lot yeah. of work going into it. Well, remind everybody one last time where people can find you and learn more about your podcast. Sure. So again, my name is Matthew Westfox. I'm one. I'm the founder and one of the co-hosts of the Superhero Ethics Podcast. You can find us, uh, I think it's two words on uh, when you search for a podcast, Superhero and Ethics. But you can find that podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, or wherever else you download podcasts. You can also find our, our website, which has all of our episodes, as well as some blog entries at www.superheroethics.com. And also, we love to interact with our fans. You can find us, or to the people who are listening or or are not fans, or whatever it is, people who want to talk to us about ethical and moral questions in superhero stories, in comic book stories, but also in science fiction, fantasy, 
anything you can think of that geeks are into, um, we're there for it. And so you can find us on Facebook or on Twitter, both at Superhero Ethics. And also, lastly, you can email us at superheroethics at gmail.com. Check out those episodes. We do a lot. You can find we've done a, a number of things specifically on different parts of the MCU and, and one episode specifically on the character of Tony Stark, Iron Man himself. We did that with um, Matt Carroll, who's a uh, part of another great podcast, the MCU cast, which I'd also recommend checking out. So, yeah, please check out Super Ethics. And again, thank you so much. This has been a, a real pleasure being on us. Well, I definitely appreciate it, Matthew. And everybody, that is it for uh, today's show. So thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the show for free at marvelmovieminute.com. Join us over in our Discord chat room and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Next Reel. And if you like what we do and you want to support us and get some cool stuff, why don't you become a patron over at patreon.com slash The Next Reel. Until next time, true believers. True believers.